Just wanna be 
and worship. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your presence. Oh, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are high and lifted up. And your train fills the temple. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. There is something that is deep in this house today. He has taken us out of shallow waters and has walked us into the depths where the song says our feet cannot walk. Praise God. And I feel the overwhelming power and presence of the Lord here today. Would you just, one more time, there's needs all across this congregation and I don't have specific ones in mind, but I just feel like God is wanting to take this moment to deliver us from the needs that are at hand, not only here in this house, but also everybody that is recognized as Spirit of Grace Church and across the uh, internet right now. I believe that God has stepped on the scene and God wants to somebody's life. Would you just reach out to him one more time and begin to declare the glory of God, Jesus, by your word, by your power. The Bible says that by your stripes we are healed. And God, I'm speaking healing into people's bodies right now. Physical healing, Lord. I'm asking you to remove pain and suffering. I'm asking you to realign every joint and every tendon and every muscle. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch every organ that's been damaged and repair it and replace it with the glory of God. I'm asking the great physician to step in and begin to do a miraculous work. Lord, not only in this house, but where this uh, spirit has gone, where you are in all places at all times. Lord, across the airwaves, go into the homes that are watching this. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, for a mighty move of the miracle worker. I'm asking you, Lord, for a mighty move of your spirit. Lord, let your blood be shed upon us right now, I pray. I plead the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood of the Lamb. Lord, let deliverance come. Lord, let encouragement come to the discouraged. Lord, let uh, despair go away. Let depression fade away. Lord, let the, the strength of the Lord, which becomes our joy, Lord, let it spring forth in every heart, soul, mind in this house today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. God is doing a miraculous work. I just pray that our eyes would be open to see what he's up to. Because sometimes we don't recognize that it's God. We just think it's circumstance or coincidence or just the normal flow of life. But God is doing some amazing things. Praise God. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Acts, to Acts Exodus chapter 3. Wrong book, wrong time. Exodus chapter I want to share with you a word from the Lord and uh, as you're turning there as Elaine is getting it on the screen I just want to remind you of some things that are coming up here at Spirit of Grace Church next Sunday is the 13th and we are going to have Baptism Sunday here at the house of the Lord and uh, yeah it's alright it's going to be a great time we've already got I believe seven people that have signed up and uh, 
So if you're interested in being baptized in his name, we want to encourage you to be a part of that next week. You can just let us know or on the way out the door on the table. If you'll just sign up on the sign-up sheet, that just lets us know uh, how to be prepared for next Sunday. Also, we're so excited about that. That's going to be a great, great day, as it always is. And then a week from tomorrow, the 14th of September, we are going to be starting up this, the fall semester of Grace College. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're able to, to be a part of that. Um, we're going to be teaching out of mostly the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature, and how to take the practical aspects of the word of the Lord and apply it to our daily lives. And uh, I believe that if more people had an understanding of the book of Proverbs, the better off we would all be. And so we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. There's no cost for this semester. We're just asking you to come, uh, but to sign up so that I can make sure to have the right amount of materials ready. And uh, it's going to be a great time together uh, learning from the word of the Lord. Praise God. We've been having chain breakers here on Wednesdays, Amen. hearing great reports of that. And uh, we're in the season now where uh, on the political front, um, our governor's getting ready to make decisions this week, I believe. And so we'll be sharing with you uh, here by next week kind of our plans going forward based off of his guidelines. And uh, I, just, I just know that God's in control. Amen. And he's doing a great mighty work in this last day and age. Praise God. Want to encourage you uh, to uh, read the daily devotion. Not because I wrote it, but because it seems to be timely. And uh, this last week we dealt with consecration. Um, and I sensed that in the house today. And if you're not receiving that, if you'll see me afterwards, I just need an email address. But I send it out every day. I try to get it to you at 7 o'clock every morning. Uh, sometimes it's not quite there. but uh, And uh, we want to be able to share the word of the Lord with you. Exodus chapter 3. It's a familiar portion of scripture if you've been around the church for any length of time. But it says this in verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. How many of you have ever felt like you're on the backside of the desert? You're not even on the main part of the desert. You're on the backside of the desert. Have you ever felt like that? He's on the backside of the desert. He came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, 
the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Uh, come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say thou unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Praise God. I want to, with the help of the Lord, minister this thought to you. I am. I am. Moses, in this passage of scripture, has an encounter with God. And you, you have to understand the background of Moses without him recognizing it or realizing it. Moses delivered him from judgment when he was just a baby. He was put into a uh, basket and put into the Nile River and was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and was raised in the home of Pharaoh himself. And uh, for the first 40 years or so of his life, he was raised in the best schools, had the best food, had the best clothes, had power and authority by reason of who he supposedly was. But about the age of 40 or so, he comes into the understanding that he was not an Egyptian by uh, natural birth, but he was Egyptian simply by the adoption of Pharaoh's daughter. But then what ends up happening is he recognizes of who he really is, and he was just like the servants of the Israelite people that the Egyptians had oppressed. And so he begins to rise up and he kills an Egyptian, and so he flees for his life from Egypt, and he goes into the desert of, of Midian, and he marries now a woman uh, named Zipporah. They have a son, and, and so all of the things can begin to happen, and this happens here at about the age of 80 years old that God begins to talk to Moses out of a bush. 80 years old, he's sitting tending sheep out in the backside of the desert, out where he's all by himself, where he's out there all alone and doesn't seem to have anybody else around him. And all of a sudden he sees this bush that begins to burn, but it's not consumed. And so he turns to look at the bush and when he turns, God begins to speak to him out of the bush. 
And, and God begins to tell him things. And I paraphrase what I read. He said, listen, Moses, take off the shoes of your feet because you're standing on holy ground. You're getting ready to connect with absolute holiness, Moses. I'm getting ready to give you a glimpse into glory. I'm getting ready for you to hear a voice from heaven. And he says, Moses, Moses. And, I, and whenever I see God speaking, I, I always think of James Earl Jones. You know, I wonder if sometimes when we get to heaven and Moses has a high tenor voice, we're going to freak out. Because <laughs> it's just been advertised for so long that he's got that deep, husky voice. And, and uh, But he says, Moses, and, uh, I'm right here. And, and he says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. And so there's this conversation that I think all of us have had from time to time when God begins to ask us. And the first question Moses asked, well, who am I that, that I should be the one? What qualifications do I have to go into Pharaoh and to lead the people of Israel out? Well, what the, and there's this long discourse, if you will, and many excuses that were given. And, and finally, after arguing with God for a while, Moses comes to the conclusion that he's not gonna win. And uh, how much easier would it be if we would ever come to the conclusion that we're not going to win our argument with God quicker? And so he has this, at the very end of this conversation, he asks him, well, who should I tell the children of Israel that sends me? What, what is his name? If I just say the God of the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sent me that, they, they wouldn't buy into that. They would just think I was a crackpot. And they would just say that I just was loony and that I had been in the desert too long. But who should I say? If they ask me, who should I say? And God says, I am that I am. And then he says this. He says, tell them the I am sent you. And this is going to be my name forever. In other words, it wasn't just a momentary time that God was going to be the I am, but still today, God's name is the I am. He is the I am that I am, and because he's the I am, that lets me know a few things, and I believe that God is trying to speak into somebody's heart this week about who the I am is to you. The first thing that I believe that God is referencing, if you will, that I want to take the application to, is simply this. When God says, I am, he's letting people know that he truly exists. You, you, you see, the basic tenet of any religion, doesn't matter which one it is, you name it, and this is the basic tenet, is that somewhere along the line there's a higher power, a higher authority that they're trying to serve. Even if, even if it's one that doesn't have a specific God, but there's an enlightenment, it's a personal enlightenment in, in their religion. Well, that personal enlightenment, they put that as a higher purpose or a higher God. And it's the basic tenet of every religion. And, and what it really boils down to is before we talk about heaven and hell, and before we talk about salvation, and before we talk about repentance and baptism and spirit, before we talk about uh, living after the things of God, we've got to come to the point where we just recognize that God does truly exist. In fact, Hebrews 11, 6 says this, they, they, they're rewarded that they that believe that he is... And that he is the rewarder of them. That you have to believe that he is. How many believe that God actually is today? Amen. God is. 
and he has existed. It's the major concept, it's the primary concept of this thing we call a relationship with God. We have to understand that God is. Now, through centuries, really from probably the beginning of time, there has been movements after movement after movement trying to reveal to man that there is no God, that there isn't a God. And so what's the purpose? What's, why are you trying to live like we're trying to live and do, because there really isn't a God. And probably the most famous of those would be Charles Darwin and the theory of evolution. And uh, Darwin said this, and I quote, man is descended from a hairy quadruped uh, furnished with a tail and pointed ears. To which I say, there's a song that I sang when I was a kid, I'm no kin to a monkey, no, no, no. A monkey's no kin to me. I don't know about your ancestors, but mine didn't swim from a tree. We used to sing that all the time in Sunday school. You see, they try to tell us that we're an accident. They try to tell us that there was a gaseous explosion somewhere in space. And, and, and I always laugh at that because my question to somebody that believes in the Big Bang Theory that there's just an explosion of gases and all of this came about, I, I, my, question, my first question to them is this, where did the gas come from? <laughs> and they have no answer. And the thing is, is we have a creator. And people don't question most creation. In fact, people don't question the fact that this building just didn't pop up. That there was a design. That we went through the planning process. That we made the blueprints. And that when we built it, we built it according to the blueprints. And then we have this building. Nobody questions that. If we started preaching that this building just happened to exist. Uh, up here, they would think we were nuts. But my question to them is, then why do you question the grand design of a God that created all that there is and inhabits that which he has created? Do you understand those of you that have fought against the concept of God? And I'm not talking about necessarily you in particular. You're in church today. But I'm talking about this philosophy. I want to remind some people today that if the earth was a little bit smaller or a little bit larger, you and I would not exist. If we were just a little closer or a little further from the sun, we'd either burn up or freeze. Our world is on an axis so that we can have seasons. You can't tell me that that just happened. You'll never convince me. I don't have enough faith for that. My faith is too weak for that. I, I have faith that there is a creator. And, and, and think about just the human body and all that goes into to, to our human body and all the different things that are involved within it. Do you, do you realize that when your eyes and your retina get a picture of what you're looking at, over 300 miles an hour, it's sending nerve things, nerve whatever it's called, into your brain so that you can recognize what you're seeing. It's happening that quick. I can't imagine that that just happened. You see, 
We have come to a place and God is trying to tell us here in Exodus 3, the I am. Listen, believe people can believe what they want to believe. They can say what they want to say. But I believe what the word says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I believe the psalmist when he said that all of the world was created by his word. I believe the apostle John when he said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God and all things were created by him and for him. I believe that there is a creator. That there is a God who is real. That there is a God who exists. That there is a God who is alive and not dead. That there is a God who is interested in our details of life. That there is a God that is among us even right now. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I believe that the God that created all things is in this house right now. So when he says, tell the children, I am has sent me. God is real. I remember several years ago, uh, a friend of ours, family friend, his name's Jim Larson. He preached for our church that we were serving in Kansas City. And he had a, Pastor Larson has a way about him. First of all, he's about 6'5", and uh, he's got that, ten, that bass low voice. And uh, he's from Minnesota. And so he came, he was in Kansas City. And he comes out at the beginning of his message. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Because he had like two or three big coolers sitting there. And you could tell that the ice was there because he didn't have the lids totally closed. And there was ice just packed in there. And I'm thinking, okay, what's he going to preach today? And so about a quarter of the way through his message, he sat down on the edge of the platform and he opened up one of the cooler and he reached in and he shook the ice and he pulls out a Coke, a can of Coca-Cola. And he said, you know what? This is pretty cool. It tastes pretty good. And he opened, we're all just dying of thirst now at this point in time as we're sitting in the sanctuary. And he, and he cracks it open and he takes a big drink of it. And he said, the only thing that I know is that this isn't the real thing. And he began to preach about the real thing. Jesus Christ is the real thing. You, there, there's another preacher friend of ours that, that says you can come from anywhere to Jesus, but you can't go from Jesus to anywhere else. There's nobody like him. There's nobody that's as powerful as him. There's nobody as compassionate as him. There is nobody as graceful as him. There is nobody as merciful as him. There is nobody that cares more about you, including yourself or your spouse. Jesus is real. God is in control. He knows exactly where you're at right now. So when he says, I am, he's saying, here I am. His name forever. The second thing I think of when God says I am, I believe that he means that he is the same always. That he doesn't change. How many have enjoyed the changes of 2020? Yeah. No hands have been raised. Things are changing all the time. The saying that is out there, and I don't know whoever said it the first time, but the, there's only the only thing that's permanent is change. 
The change is constant. There's always change. Things are happening all the time. I'm in the midst of, in our workplace, of changing over our branding because one company bought us out a couple of years ago and now we are transitioning and where I used to wear green and black clothes, now I'm wearing blue and red clothes and it just feels weird. And it feels different. There's everything changes. There, there's constant change. I, I wish I could say that you didn't change in the last week, but you changed. You've gotten older. Some of you, well, never mind. I was going to say it got better looking, but I, I'm not sure. Thank you. You see, there is constant change, except for God. Now, God has changed his methods through the years, but who he is has not changed. In the Old Testament, he met man at the, the tabernacle plant, at the Holy of Holies. When Jesus was on the earth, he met man in the body of Jesus Christ. Today, he meets man in the church, the body of Christ in the world today. So his methods change, but he has not changed. He is still the same God that spoke it all into existence. God does not change. Malachi said this way, that the Lord said, I change not. The book of Hebrews says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James said that there is no uh, variations or variableness or shadow of turning. He is who he said he is. He has always been who he said he is. He is the same who existed before time, and he is here today. He is his power to speak things into existence back then is the same power that holds it all in place right now. He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> he who wrote the Ten Commandments in stone can still direct nations today. I want to encourage you on the 26th of September. I just got the invite. Obviously, I won't be going, but spiritually, I'm going to challenge us to go that Franklin Graham is having a prayer walk through Washington, D.C., and I want to join him in this church on that day of uh, focusing our prayers towards this nation, that the healing power of God, the Bible says, when my people humble themselves and pray and leave their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Listen, I believe that God is still in control and he's still directing nations and he's putting up powers and he's putting down powers. He's still the one that's in control. He has not lost his power. His wisdom has not diminished. His authority has not wavered. His love has not burned out. He still loves us with an everlasting love. He still cares for us with an everlasting care. The psalmist said it this way, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That doesn't mean wherever you go, it just lays behind. What that means is for the rest of my life, Mercy and grace is going to pursue me. It's going to chase after me. It's going to do whatever it can to get a hold of me. Listen, some of you are here today because goodness and mercy has been chasing you. I'm challenging you in the next five minutes just to sit still long enough in your spirit that it'll catch up to you. Amen. Because he's still the same. I read a story last night and I really like it. 
Um, how many have ever read or seen the movie The Roadman? It's, uh, it's an older film, it's an older book. Lloyd Douglas is the author of that, and he tells a story that is just, to me, it's really neat. When he was in college, uh, he uh, didn't live in the dorms, he was renting a, a room in somebody's home, and the person that lived there was a retired music teacher that had, uh, I don't know what sickness or disease, but he was relegated to a wheelchair, and so he had, uh, Lloyd had this, this ritual every morning. He would come down the steps and, and he would knock on the office door and stick his head into where this gentleman was. And he would say, well, how's it going? And the gentleman would always reach out one of the tuning forks and he'd hit it against his wheelchair. And he would say, that's middle C. He said, it's always been middle C. It was always, it's been middle C from the beginning of time. It will be middle C till the end of time. He said, your roommate upstairs is singing flat. <laughs> and the piano in the other room is out of tune. But this is middle C and will always be middle C. Listen, God is middle C. He's always been in control. He always will be in control. He, whether we flatten it out or whether we sharpen it up or whether we're in tune or out of tune, he's always in tune. He's always in charge. He's always in control. Nothing ever occurs to him. Nothing ever happens by accident. He is bigger than our imagination could ever be, and he has not changed. If he could speak the world into existence, he can speak your miracle into your life. If he can turn the world into uh, uh, what we experience today, then he can take the jumbled mess of your life and put it all back together. Listen, the Bible says that when he began to speak, the earth was without form and void. It was a mess. There was nothing there. He began to mold it with his words. And then when he gets to the sixth day, he takes the time to mold us into the dust of the earth and becomes a man. Listen, if he can do that once, he can do it today. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how messed up you've got. He can put it all back together just the way he created you to be at the first time. He does not change. He is the I am. He is the I am. Here's what I like about that. When, when I know that he doesn't change, it lets me know some things. It lets me know that time does not work against God. And it doesn't need to work for him either. How many have ever heard time heals all things? God doesn't need time to heal you. You may need time to heal, but God doesn't need it. He can just kind of look at you. Say, hmm, think I'll fix that lower back today. Think I'll straighten out that attitude today. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll measure. I'll perform surgery here in just a moment. He doesn't need time. Time doesn't, or he doesn't need time to work for him. And he time doesn't work again. His power has not decreased ever, and it doesn't need to increase now. We think the world is so messed up that we need to have more of the power. No, no, no. It's the same power. He needs us to access his power. He needs us to pray his power. He needs us to release the glory of God by being salt and light in a dark world. He hasn't lost any of his wisdom. 
and he doesn't need to gain anymore. He's the personification of wisdom. His love does not grow, develop, weaken, or decline. His, the Bible says this, God is love. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what that tells me. I've messed up a few times, and he still loves me. I have faltered, and he has been faithful. My mess has become his message. My test has become his testimony. I know that that's just a nice cliched saying, but the truth is still the truth. The test is now my testimony. I have been tested by the things of this world, and here I am. The devil has tried to bring me down, and here I stand. The devil has tried to tear my wife and I apart, yet here we are. My friend, the devil has tried to mess up my churches, and yet all three churches that I've served is still standing and proclaiming what thus says the Lord. The devil has come against the church universal. It has come through the flood. It's come through the fire. It's come through persecution, and yet the church is still vibrant and still alive and in the midst of all the junk that's happening out there, there's transition, there's harvest, there's people changing their lives. Why? Because the church is still the church and the one that runs the church is still in control and he does not change. So my question is why do we not rely on that? Why do we fight against it? Why do we worry about it? You see, here's the thing. You and I are not multi-dimensional when it comes to time. We live in the moment. Even what we did during worship is our past. We can't get it back. We can't identify it. We can, we can think about it, we can reminisce about it, but we can't operate in it. The past is the past, and tomorrow is not assured. We have right now. Amen. Right moment. See, now it's past. It's the reason why the psalmist said, God is a very present help in the time of trouble. Because God does not change. And because God does not change, he can go to the past. He can go to, he's already taken care of it all. In the past, he hung it on a cross with him. In the, both the future and the past so that he can minister to you right now. He does not change. And the last thing today, when God says, I am, it means I will be everything you need. I exist, I don't change, and I've got all the answers. And he's not a teenager. <laughs> he's got the right answers. I thought I was so smart when I was 15 and 16 years old. I wish I was as smart then as I am now. I wish I was smarter than, than I am now. Why? Because we've learned. We've grown. We've seen some things. I look back on some of what I did as a younger person thinking, oh my God, what was I thinking? But he already saw me 
in 2020 when I was messing up in 1987. When I was a junior in high school making decisions, he already knew about just listening to him. This is what he looked up in 2020. Because he's going to supply every need. You, you, here's, I read this quote. I don't know who this person is. Their name is Hannah Smith. But she wrote this and it just jumped off of the page to me. She wrote this. I am implies that we may ask for what is not yet complete. There is no limitation of what he can become for us. I am is the I am. If you're here today and you have a financial need, he is the great provider. If you're here with a physical need, he is the great physician. If you're here for the relationship need, he is a wonderful counselor. If you are needing salvation, he is a savior. If you are in need of listening here, the Bible says he is better than or closer than a, a friend that's thinking closer than even a brother. If you need strength today, he is the almighty. If you need direction today, he is the good shepherd. Not only is he the good shepherd, but he is the great shepherd. If you need refuge from the turmoil around you, he is your rock and your fortress. If you're down today, if you're depressed today, the Bible says he is your comforter, my friend. He is what you need him to be at every moment of time. And here's the thing about God. I don't need exactly what you need and you don't need exactly what I need. But we all need something and he can be the something that we all need. What do you need today? What do you need God to do today? What do you need him to become in your life today. Are you dealing with physical pain? He has the answer. Are you dealing with emotional turmoil? He's the peace speaker. Are you dealing with family issues? Are you dealing with work issues? Are you dealing with shame? Are you dealing with disobedience? What are you dealing? What do you need him to be? God is speaking, and He's saying, "I am the answer to that." There's an old, old song that I don't even remember all the words, but I just remember people singing, choir singing, "Jesus is the answer for the world today." Love it, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's all I know. But that's all I need to know. He's still the answer. He is the I am. In the midst of coronavirus, he's the I am. In the midst of political turmoil, he is the I am. In the midst of civil unrest, he is the I am. In the midst of breakups and breakdowns, he is the I am. In the midst of loss, he is the I am. In the midst of abandonment, he is the I am. In the midst of whatever you're dealing with today, he wants to be your I am, the answer. 
Moses finally figured it out that when you have nothing left but God, you become aware that God is more than enough. You see, here's where I believe we are at as a church, and I invite you to stand. I believe, and if you're watching this online, I believe it for you as well. I believe that God is trying to get man's attention one more time. I believe that in 2020, as messed up as 2020 has been for almost all of us, it's in the midst of the mess ups that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to speak into our spirits. He's trying to speak into our lives. And I believe that God has called his church to deliver the people of this world from the oppression of Egypt. I believe that we have been called to be salt and light. I believe that we have been called to be a pathway of direction, not to our own understanding and our own working things out, but to his understanding, to his word. Listen, there are people that you run into every day that are hungry and thirsty. I've handed out more business cards in the last two or three weeks to customers and people that I come into contact with because they're asking about the church, they're asking about the things of God than I had in the last, the previous six months. There is a hunger and a thirst for the things of God because, listen, I had one gentleman that came to me and said, can I get some information about your church online, whatever it is, because my kids are asking me about church and I've never been to church before. There is a hunger for the I am that I am. And God is trying to tell somebody, I'm standing right here. It may not be a burning bush today, but we're still standing on holy ground. We're still standing in the presence of the Almighty God. And He's still speaking into people's hearts to tell you that I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. I am exactly what you need. I'm exactly what you're looking for. That emptiness in your spirit is what I was designed to fill. I am that I am. With every eye closed. 